0: Hey friend, welcome to Crisis of Faith with Joe and Drew. I'm Drew. No matter what you believe or think about God or the Bible or Jesus or religion in general, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. You can go to crisisoffaithpodcast.com right now to submit your own crisis for us to address and we promise we will always respond to you there. We might even talk about your topic on an episode here. We would also love it if you would follow us on Instagram so we can begin to put a face with your story. Our handle there is at Crisis of Faith. Today's conversation is a little less concerned, I guess, with what happens after you die. It's a little bit more concerned with, hey, well, what if we don't die for a while? What is God doing here and now? We're calling this one already, and not yet preacher can you tell me about what happens when we die how do you think that i'd know when i've been alive the whole damn time no one here can see so clear that they know they know the way and no one knows any secrets of what's just beyond the grave Oh, we're shaking Shakin bacon.
1: bacon.
0: I'm so glad that we decided to start calling each other bacon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, I sent my mom the podcast for the first time yesterday. Yeah? We talked for like an hour um, about various things on it. Like I was trying to prepare her, I guess,
1: oh, you talked before she listened,
0: yeah, I talked before I sent it to her, um, and then she's about to text me right now. I just saw the you know the bubbles yeah. <laughs> coming up that she was about to text me back. I was like, this is perfect timing. I'm literally <laughs> about to talk, and <laughs>
1: oh i <laughs> and hope I hope she texts day. you. Can we read it? uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> understand how it works. Like how <laughs> I voices
0: I was hoping you were just going to end it
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't understand how it works any of it. <laughs> but like how do voices get you say a thing yeah. sitting in your office in Richmond and it comes to me in my office here in Pittsburgh and then we put it on the phones of all of our listeners. It's true. All over the globe, of course. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how that works. I don't understand. It goes through wires and satellite shooting thing. I don't get it. No one does. No one knows. The thing that's even more impressive to me is a fax machine. How does a fucking fax machine work? (laughs) Oh my good. You like it's like it's like a three D printer. I mean, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> like I put, I, I put a piece of paper in my fax machine, and it travels, you know, through the wires to your fax machine. What so happens serious? With it? And it spits it out.
0: Crisis of faith question I have here. Why are you using a fax machine? <laughs> <laughs> for, for <laughs> what purpose do you even I,
1: have access to a fax machine? You go to Kinko's? yeah. I mean, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't used one in like, you know, however, however long ago it was that fax machines. Okay. Baffling technology, but still, it's still you. amazing. I, I think it's incredible.
0: I can't believe that we can put a man on the moon, but. Joe finds it baffling (laughs) that we could stand that. Well, I understand how,
1: like, if you want to put a man on the moon, you put him in a a flying capsule, and you fly that capsule to the moon. That's easy. Let's see what you're getting at there. How do you get a piece of paper through a wire? It's crazy. It's the witchcraft that concerns you. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to look into that. Like a man on the moon, that's just like a bus, but, you know, I get that. That flies. Yeah, yeah. you're you're making sense to me now. I kind of get that. To me, like a fax machine still, that makes sense a little bit. When it gets beyond that technology, I'm with you. I actually don't know. I don't know how you can hear my voice right now. And I'm even using a Bluetooth headset. So not only is, like, I see you on my phone. I hear you in this thing that's not attached to my phone. So my voice is going into this thing, and then just voodooing its way over to that thing, and then from there to Pittsburgh and back. Holy cow! We should stick to theology. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, we uh, we talked last week about heaven. So we spent. Two weeks in hell, uh, one week on universalism uh, and, and, and inclusivism branches kind of off of that tree. Uh, then we spent two weeks on heaven, and now here we are about to talk about k- kind of something else. It's probably still a, a continuation of the heaven conversation. A little bit more of a, um, maybe, we'll. I'll be interested to see if it goes this way. But in my head, this may end up being the most practical, sermon esque kind of conversation that we've had yet. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that fair to say? Like yeah. like this one actually is coming a little bit more down to earth. You know, we have the the opening the line of that song that we put on the front end of this. That's like preacher, can you tell me about what happens when we die? Well, how do you think that I'd know? I've been alive the whole damn time. And today we're actually going to talk about well, what do you do while you're alive. Like, what, what, what does heaven and hell have to do with here and now, I think. Um, that's kind of the direction that we're going. But before we get into that, I wanted to um, talk about something that you, you had sent me a screenshot of, a text conversation you were having, uh, and we'll, we'll protect the anonymity of these people. It wasn't exactly a crisis of faith they were having, or maybe it was. Maybe this really got to them. Um, but I, someone said to you this past I week that the it. music on the podcast had shifted from Compton to Beckley, West Virginia in like one episode (laughs) turnaround that we went from my friend, Zach. Yeah. Yeah. We went from, from some, some heavy hitting hip hop, you know, breaks in our, uh, between to banjo music and, (laughs) and me singing a little, a little ditty about it. And, uh, you know, initially I was a little offended by that. And then I thought, well, you know, that kind of makes sense. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> that That fits pretty well. That makes sense that that's what what has happened um, when we shifted from me just grabbing some uh, some free music somewhere online to me actually making it that it would start sounding like it's from uh, West Virginia. but it it raised a couple of <laughs> questions for me that I was curious about for just from your personal experience. Do you feel like there is a connection? Between uh, Appalachian culture, Appalachian music in particular, and maybe even the music that you sang growing up in Southern West Virginia, and what happens after you die? Like, does it does it seem like there's a?
1: Oh yeah,
0: there's an unreasonable amount of attention in that kind of music given to. (laughs) To, I mean, even it's not just gospel. I mean, like the Avett Brothers. Bluegrass music about dying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's escapist kind of. yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. That's was, totally
0: true. Was your church like that? Did you sing a lot of those songs?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah,
0: sure. I'll fly away. My favorite one was the When uh,
1: we all see Jesus. Yes. Yeah, will sing all,
0: and shout the victory. Shout the victory. <laughs> Did you do the uh, I'm going to take a trip? <laughs> that's the baseline of the, good old the end. gospel yeah. ship. <laughs> Did you do that one? Oh, I don't know that one. Oh man, that's a that's a solid one there. Um yeah, I just I don't. I don't remember much of any songs that weren't. Um, Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. Uh, maybe that one's not necessarily about what happens after you die, but in my head, I always heard it that way because all the other songs <laughs> were. So, um, yeah, interesting little thing.
1: But for me, yeah, you know, it's I. It's like. Um, it's like. You know, they say like <clears throat> the liberal liberal protestantism of the of the 19th century that you could encapsulate it in the fatherhood of god and the brotherhood of man Hmm. and like the appalachian gospel christianity that we grew up with i think is something like life's a bitch then the rapture
0: I um you know let me be really honest here this may not even make it to the podcast but uh I I feel like I have been in a genuine <laughs> crisis of faith this week not that the rest of these are fabricated these like sometimes the crises feel like I don't know what to believe about this anymore I don't yeah. trust what I was told anymore sometimes
1: And, but, but sometimes you have a week like the one that I feel like I'm having. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) the, the ones that we've been talking about for me have been like, they, it definitely was a real like existential crisis. Yes. 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. And like now we've had some time to think about it and I still don't know what the hell's up, but I don't feel so. But you can't stay in that. Yeah. That chaotic
0: crisis state for very long. Like your body kind of, your your body and mind eventually say like defcon 5 we can't do that for very long um right (laughs) we can't stay on high alert for all this stuff um but yeah this week and uh, we have such different experiences and relationships with churches that i you know i thought maybe you could let me know what's going on in your world a little bit but this week i'm i'm having a legitimate like I don't know if it's fear, but it's certainly... I even mentioned the last time we talked that I feel like I'm kind of experiencing a little more anxiety than usual, and, like, I can't drink as much coffee and that thing. And it is really... It really boils down to... I have legitimate concerns about the survival of the church, as we know it, through um, all things 2020. And, you know, coronavirus and the ways that things have been shut down and the ways that we had sort of all of these habits established that that propped up a structure and everyone's had those habits eliminated. And we're seeing more and more like how incredibly difficult it is going to be to to get people back on board, Um, like to kind of go back to the way things were and. I'm conflicted about whether I want things to go back to the way things were. I think everybody is. Um And, uh, but, you know, a big part of my life is kind of hinges on that, you know, even just without giving away too much of my personal information. I mean, I'm, I make about half of my living playing music and about half of it running a small, like, church organization that, uh, that I'm just not even sure I, I, that I could define at this point, like what it even is,
1: and yeah, <laughs> and who's true. even still a part of it.
0: Um, right. And uh, yeah, so there's there's some sort so of. So practical... you guys are
1: like people not are are you guys meeting? Do you meet at church or do you just do online now? We, or what's? We tried
0: for a little while to to reopen <clears throat> with like you know we have this this massive garage door, um, okay. in our in our auditorium, and so we kind of we opened it and put some chairs outside of that and some chairs inside of that. So it was a little bit like a lot of the restaurants in town that have indoor outdoor seating. Um, so we kind of offered that and, uh, and put some speakers outside and just kind of did a, a shorter experience and said, you know, come wear your mask, keep your distance, even stay outside if you want. We even told people like you can sit in your car and still hear it in the parking lot. Um, and, and participate with us in that way. Um, but that began, see things changed in things kind of opened back up a little bit in like early july mid July in Virginia and uh it, there was never much participation in that I mean never anywhere close we stayed yeah. online too We continued doing online um experiences or gatherings or w- whatever those are but uh yeah. Yeah, I'm just kind of like coming into September. School is back in session. This is usually a pretty good time to see people get back into a flow and uh I don't know. We we've got an event coming up on the 20th. So,
1: did you stop the the pers- like live gatherings? <laughs> well, no. Uh
0: <laughs> not uh not strategically. Uh <laughs> <laughs> they just this didn't there's just uh, yeah the last couple of weeks there's just been um, a couple of the musicians that that helped to do some music like they would come um, two weeks ago they were the only people who came and then yeah, this past huh. week it was them and like two other people um, and it was a holiday weekend too but I don't know man I just I, I think it's deeper than that I think it is actually deeper than practical like we got out of the habit, and we just got to get back in the habit. I think there is kind of an eye opening thing for a lot of people that just sort of
1: like, did we
0: need what that <laughs> yeah. was?
1: do we want yeah. what that was um dude, I remember you know i don't I don't know what yours was like growing up like at my church when I was growing up, we had uh Sunday morning worship, you know. And then Sunday night was the same thing. It was a you know a different worship service, same gig. And then on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evening, we had like the adults went to something called right. prayer meeting or something. We had youth group and the whole you know right. kids were in a thing. Um, so it's three times. Like you go to church three times a week for different stuff. And I remember <laughs> I remember when I went to college. Uh, the first like Sunday that I was there, I went to this mega church, yeah, uh, and just to check it out. And I went to the the Sunday morning eleven o'clock service, and they had a rock band, and it was cool. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, "All right, that's that's good. I'll go back tonight." So I go back to the Sunday night service, yeah. six o'clock or something that evening, and it's the same thing, right? Like they were just doing right. you know how doing several weekend services or whatever. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. I don't have to go to church on Sunday night. Like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So I wonder if it's like that. Like, people are just, oh, it turns out, like, I, I've i been doing this thing, and I now know I didn't like it that much, or I didn't need it, or whatever. I, I don't I know. I think
0: that's, yeah, and that's a... You know, I think all of the churches sort of made that shift. I mean, there's obviously some churches that still do, like, the Sunday evening thing and the Wednesday. But, but so many churches shifted to, like, well, let's just put it into one experience a week. Um, and we certainly did. When we started this church, we, we said, like, all right, we're going to do the one thing a week. Um, we'll have groups that meet and times for people to get together outside of that. We won't even do the one thing a week a few times a year. Like, we'll actually schedule Sundays that we just won't even do that. Um and uh but then all of this happened and now it's like we're not even sure that we want that one thing. So like it's Perfect. one thing to lose one of the three things that you have. <laughs> yeah, it's right. something else to lose the one thing uh that yeah. you had. And yeah. it's silly that it defined us. It's silly that we said for so many years every church I've ever been a part of is like, We're not just a Sunday morning thing. Um and then whenever I started a church myself here that we're like we're not just going to be a Sunday morning thing and then you take away the Sunday morning thing and we're having a really hard time defining what we're, we are. <laughs> what are you? Yeah. Uh without that. So
1: yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I don't know. So I it's I good also question for Jesus
0: if we were if we were explaining <laughs> church to Jesus, taking Jesus to church that we could go ahead and throw in like and by the way, coronavirus happened and now you don't have
1: a church anymore, Jesus, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, so I work at a church too. You know, I'm at, I'm at a Methodist church here in Pittsburgh. I'm not a pastor or anything, but um, we have not been back at all. We haven't we haven't yeah. opened our doors. Um, so we film we film a worship service and then put it out on Sunday mornings, like a YouTube premiere, you know, so that people can kind of watch it together and have a little chat on the side uh, and that's been going well like we've had um, our numbers have fluctuated like of pe- folks watching that um, I think at the same kind of patterns that are yeah normal like live Sunday mornings would fluctuate um, but it's actually been higher like all across the board it's been we've had more folks joining online because people can like people that have been a part of our community Years ago and moved away can jump right. on or like right just friends send it you know people send it to their friends or family or whatever and um so that's been going well but we haven't really like we are now a one thing church and I don't think we ever were it's like we're not we're kind of an old people like you know we're not good at social media we don't have we have a Facebook page maybe that people like nobody knows how to run or whatever yeah, yeah. like we don't we don't know how to do online community cause it wasn't a thing that we were doing right before. Um, so like those things are going well, but the thing that we really were good at, which was just like hanging out together, we don't, we haven't figured out what that looks like now. Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, we're in, a, we're in a similar boat, not, not because of age. We're, we're almost in a, in a, a similar boat for like social media stuff because, because I've been so personally conflicted about that. Like It always felt weird for me as pastoral leadership or spiritual guidance in people's lives to say, you need to spend more time on social media with us. Like... Already not yet. Joe, we've talked about what happens after we die, but I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: what what happens now? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like um. You know, I, I I don't know. I'd be interested. You said that you sent this the heaven episode to your mom. Yeah. Um, super interested to hear what Judy has to say about it. Uh, but I feel like. the first time that I heard any of that stuff like you know the first time I started to question this idea of of my soul floating up to heaven and like realizing that that wasn't the biblical picture it's like okay so that's cool we build the kingdom of God here and now Um, I'm into that like do some social justice work we can forgive we can build community right we can do these things but like does that mean this is it like this world where we get gout and like (laughs) where (laughs) it just sucks like this is this is all we we've got i don't know so that's kind of like that's what had me thinking about this stuff this week i think is remembering that feeling um
0: yeah there is something uh Uh, yeah it can kind of mess with you to start thinking that this is it Uh, that this can't be (laughs) yeah as much as I've deconstructed and want to believe that there is um, you know that what happens after we die may not really be the whole point maybe we shouldn't put all of our eggs in the basket of like well the whole point of this life is to get out of here and to go to something better Um, at the same time (laughs) <laughs> there are days that I kind of look around and say, like, ah, life feels like a, a cruel joke right now. Right. It would be nice right. to believe that something redemptive and bigger is going to come out of all of this. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what your, what your thoughts are on what the scriptures actually say about this and some of what, what, uh, what Jesus seems to indicate uh, about here and now. Um we yeah so, use the I mean phrase, I think
1: already not yet, probably a bit like what I think not only does the New Testament have something to say about this I think i I used the phrase last time that this is like the thematic backbone of the New testament like this idea of something um something has begun uh, this this kingdom building project has begun, but it's not finished yet um that's like where the whole story, like that's the backdrop for the whole story Yeah. Um, so there's a great in in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 um, Paul is telling the story of Moses and the people of Israel wandering around in the wilderness and he says verse 11 these things were written down to instruct us, the Corinthian church us on whom the ends of the ages have come So, like, what are these multiple ends of multiple ages? That's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, So I think that's kind of a key. There's uh, So this stuff gets developed. These ideas get developed in the life of the people of Israel who um, understand themselves to be the chosen people of God, right? Yeah. Well, the problem is that they, like, slavery in Egypt, exile in Babylon, like, return from exile, and then you get taken over by the Greeks, and then by the Romans, and it's like they spend their whole lives, just, like, the whole history of this people, um, with very few exceptions, they're, sort of under the oppressive boot of some, you know, some regime, some external regime. Uh, Their temple is destroyed multiple times. Like, how are you supposed to think of yourself as the people of God? Like, if if you are the people of God and this shit keeps happening, like, your God's not that good at... Right, right. At, God. at God's job or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> at God. Like, yeah. What, what is God doing? And um,
0: even the narrative of, just to interject there, even the narrative of Jesus doesn't exactly fix it. Even the, it kind of like what we said last week about Easter being the end of the story for a lot of it. It was like, well, Jesus died and he rose from the grave and we were stoked about that. That blew our minds, and then we proved to us that Jesus was who He said He was, or who we yeah, thought He would like. Look around, but na- but then what? Well, what? Yeah. So Jesus got out of here, uh, told us He we were bringing some new kingdom, told us something bigger was happening, and but but where where is He now, and where is that now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's going? What's happening? Yeah. Um. So. Okay, so some of this—it's uh, weird. There's there's language that happens that shows up in the New Testament that's like not really around in the Old Testament. You're like, hmm, that's weird. Where did that come from? Um, so, like, this talk about the Kingdom of God—you don't see that in the Old Testament. So, what happens is like there's a there's a little break in a Protestant Bible. We don't have some of the any anything for like about a four hundred year span between the yeah. end of the Old Testament and the start of the New Testament. Um, and what happens during that time is this development of the the people of Israel are under the, at this time, under the Greek empire, like Alexander the Great comes through and takes over the place. And so they start to um, think about, like, how can we think of ourselves as the chosen people? Um, and they... They read back through their scriptures and they say, "Okay, there's someone coming, and there's, there's hints of this in the you old know, in Isaiah and so forth. But there's someone coming who's gonna throw the Greeks out, who's gonna like be a warrior king, yeah, and like get them out of here. And he's also gonna be a priest, maybe. Sometimes it's two figures, sometimes it's three figures, sometimes it's just one who has all these jobs." But he's gonna he's gonna throw these people out. He's gonna rebuild the temple or re-consecrate the temple, um, re-establish proper worship, um, right? He's gonna he's gonna set things right how they're supposed right. to be, and that setting right uh, is what gets called the kingdom of God. Um, so we talked about like the kingdom of God is just, is not a place that we like souls float to when they die. The kingdom of God is what it looks like when God ruled. Yeah. Well, what it looks like when God rules is we get the Greeks out of here and we re con- consecrate the temple. We reestablish worship. Like we do our thing. Um. And so that's what, that's what, People are expecting is going to happen when Jesus comes on the scene, like when when Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and people are saying, "Hosanna, Son of David!" Like there's a reason right. they say Son of David, not right. so they don't call back to Moses or Abraham. Like David's the king, yeah. David's the guy. Like this is a, a hope that we're gonna we're gonna finally overthrow this oppressive regime. Yeah, warrior king, yeah. right.
0: Um. It, so, is there, is there evidence? I I can think of a. I don't know. They, they seem almost ancillary examples, if that's the right word for that. But is there evidence that the people are disappointed that Jesus is. That 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 the King has come and looks like this. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean. It seems like maybe a dumb question, but on some like you get what I'm asking? Yeah. The people want a warrior king and they get a king who says turn the other cheek. Uh who says when a when a soldier asks you to walk with them, a mile walk with them too. Um now I realize he's saying bigger things than it appears that he's saying there. Yeah, but sure. at the same time, does it I don't know. Do you know of evidence in in church history in in first century Judaism, that people are just like, that's it?
1: Well, you know, I think there's Son of Judas. David, I'm not
0: sure that fits. You know, that that's right. the, are people saying that at some point? Like, David killed the people who came against us. Yeah. And these people
1: just killed him before he killed anybody. Well, you know, I think we talked about this, uh, one of our first episodes of this show, like, Oh the old days. <laughs> Way back then. <laughs> Jesus is executed by by the Roman Empire by crucifixion. Okay, yeah.
0: Right? Yes. Yeah, this you. is
1: this is a punishment reserved for insurrectionists, rebels, like it is there to put people up on a post where you can see them in the city square to yeah. say, look, yeah. if you're going to try to challenge the empire, this is exactly what is going to happen to you. Like, people don't get crucified for saying, love your enemy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, people get crucified because somebody somewhere thought that their power... Their throne, their money was being threatened.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, while we're on that subject, and since I just brought it up and didn't exactly address it too much, you do have a you do have an an, an undercurrent in the teachings of Jesus that there is an apparent um, meekness with a with an edge to it there there is something when jesus says for example and maybe you 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 probably know this stuff better than i do but when jesus says when a soldier orders you to walk with them a mile i say to you walk with them too jesus is talking about a law that actually exists that says um You know, if if a Roman soldier ever comes up to a Jewish person, says, I need you to carry my stuff for me for a mile. Well, the law is that you have to carry it with for them for a mile or whatever the distance. It wasn't a mile, you know, but that's the English translation. It's probably around that, you know, (laughs) it's right. It's a it's a close enough number. They are legally uh, a Jewish person is legally required to do this and a Roman centurion is, has a legal right to ask them to do this. But there are markers alongside the road to indicate when you have fulfilled that duty. And if you are being forced to carry beyond a mile, then all of a sudden the Roman centurion is actually in violation of the law for appearing to force you to do more than he's actually allowed to force you to do. So we see in Jesus, whenever he says, hey, here's how we're going to defeat this, when they ask you to carry something for them, he doesn't say, refuse to do it, you know, throw up your hands and start and get ready to fight because we're going to fight. He actually says, do it, but then go beyond the point so that the next mile, they're going to be chasing you down. Because the next mile, they're going to be looking over their shoulder the entire time. It's almost like Jesus' way that appears meek and appears to be like, yeah, we're just not going to cause any problems for anybody. Just let it, just let it happen. What he's actually doing is teaching them a third way, a, a political statement, kind of a peaceful protest, if you will, kind of way of saying, hey, if you're going to oppress us in this way, you're going to pretend like it's okay that you can stop us on the side of the road and force us to give up whatever we're doing just to carry it with you for a mile, I'm going to make you feel something for that. Yeah, I'm going to actually right. push it a little further. I'm going to show you how absurd it is that you think you matter that much more to me, and you're going to feel it for the second mile while you're looking over wondering, does anybody see that I'm? he's now carrying it for two miles? Does anybody see that he's gone three? Does anybody see that I... I am appearing to like I could be arrested for this the guard the Roman centurion um, and that's just one example the The other things that Jesus teaches do seem to all have this kind of edge to there they are peaceful protest they are Jesus just outsmarting the the very systems of oppression
1: um, yeah that's that's so good that's uh, like Walter Wink does does a lot of this stuff talks about that third way Mm -hmm. um you know like the same passage he talks about uh if if somebody slaps you on the cheek right turn the other cheek yeah it's not just like be a doormat let them walk all over you it's like um you know he talks about if you if you're gonna slap someone like a slave someone uh, who's in this in this culture, if you're going to slap somebody who you see is below you, you would do it right. with the back of your hand, like right. backhand them across the face. And Jesus says, okay, you know, if he's going to, then, then I'm going to turn my other cheek and look him in the eye. And right. he has to look at me as a human being and, and slap me like an equal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he has to, is that the, is that the, um,
0: the teaching that essentially is like, well, then you have to use the other side of it. It's almost like, you slap me on the side of a cheek like a slave, but then if I turn my cheek to you in a certain way, well then you have to hit me. You have to yeah. punch me. You you have to hit me in a way that turns this not into a oppressor and slave relationship, but more of an uh if you wanna fight <laughs> Yeah, hit me like an opponent. Then hit me like I'm like you're fighting me, not like you're on a different realm of existence than me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So okay, I want to I want to talk a little bit more about that like what does that mean the kingdom of God? But can we can we first like just take a moment cuz that language it just grates on me. We've been we've been using it for several episodes kingdom of God and I like I land on it a lot because that's like that's how it gets translated in the gospels and that's like how it's been used throughout the English speaking yeah. world. Yeah. But that's just such patriarchal like not only like masculine, king, like, like why why not the kingdom of God? Yeah. Um that but also sense. just like this the picture of king that I have is like right. medieval right. European like overlord. And it's like that's just the same old God that we're trying to get away from all the time. That like power-over-looking-down-on-you um, kind of God. Yeah. Well, and, and it does sound like
0: a—it it, it sounds like—it it sounds like what is actually going to happen is um, the church, the Christians, are going to get the power, Yeah, are going to get right. the control— and then we're going to force the rest of the world to live according to the rules of the kingdom of God. Um, it, it does definitely have that edge to it. And there's so much of American evangelicalism that, like, yeah, well, yeah, that's the point exactly, Drew. Wait a second. I thought yeah, you were a that's, pastor. That's and you don't the even know the whole Reagan what we're doing revolution, here.
1: moral we're majority. Like. Like. We're, we're going to get our guys in, yeah. in power and we're going to, yeah.
0: We're going to make that's sin illegal,
1: sin as we yep. define it, illegal
0: because uh, that'll fix it. Um, And Christianity will be the religion of the people, and they'll basically have no choice but to be Christian. And then I I don't know what the end result is there. I don't know what we think is going to happen. (laughs) um, If that actually... If those people actually got what they think they want, or claim they want, or devote their lives to wanting. So do we have a... Is is there a replacement term?
1: Well, there are lots of them. Um, you know, so my church that I work at, we, we drop the G and we say the kingdom of God. Oh, yeah. which, you know, that it gets rid of the, the patriarchal problem. Yeah. So we're no, like no longer talking about a hierarchy top down. We're, we no longer have a masculine language at the helm. Um, but you lose all of the political edge, right? We've just right. been talking about how the whole point, like, of this language is that somebody's coming who's going to overthrow these people and set things right yeah. um, in a real world kind of way. Like, not um, not there and then, but here and now, um, somebody's going to bring justice, bring right- righteousness, like, set things to Right. Um, so you lose that with kingdom. Um, you know some people have talked about the empire of God yeah that sounds worse it does sound worse um, and I think <laughs> that when when people say that they're trying to for one get rid of the, the masculine language yeah. yeah, and they're also trying to say that part of the critique it, in built into kingdom of God language is a critique of the Roman empire. And I think that's right. Um, Except that I think part of the critique is like, we're going to get rid of this empire and reestablish the Davidic kingdom. Like to us in the modern world, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of difference between a kingdom and an empire. Like they both seem scary and oppressive. Right. But um, I think that's why in, America right exactly <laughs> um, in first century like Jewish conception they were thinking well no oppressive empire yes kingdom like yeah. that's that's way better yeah that makes sense um, I mean I
0: think uh I certainly use the language kingdom of heaven kingdom of God mostly I mean it's just it's the translations it's it's the um it's the language that we that I have but i I wonder if a a better articulation is just heaven on earth. I mean, bringing heavens to earth. Yeah. The, to me, the advantage of that is something I think we we tried to start. It, it might have been the very thing that we said in the previous episode that says, "Wait, that just needs to be its own episode." It puts more of the more of the onus on the participants themselves, like. I think I said, I wrote down a statement that came out of our last um, conversation about this. I think modern, the modern Christian's theology of heaven is basically, here's what I inherit, kingdom language, right? I become a joint heir with Christ. I become, but Jesus's theology of heaven seems to be more like, here's what you could build if you would listen to me. Jesus seems to be inviting us more like, no, bring heaven to earth. So I think that doesn't exactly replace the term, but it certainly replaces the way that I am thinking about it. If it's a kingdom that's being established, yeah. If it's a kingdom that's being established, then, well, I guess God will do it. Um, And then I'll get to participate in it because I'm on God's team. If it's bringing heaven to earth, then it seems like God has actually partnered with us in such a way that you don't inherit anything here, but you can build it. You can yeah. build something yeah. here. You could bring heaven to this this workplace, this home, this world, this
1: situation. Um, yeah. A word that I've been experimenting with in my own, like writing and stuff, is uh, the commonwealth of God. Nice. Is Pennsylvania has, a commonwealth, by the way? It is, yeah.
0: I thought, yeah, so are we.
1: Well, fancy. Shoot. I don't know what the difference is. I but, lose you know. my
0: mind when we get called a state. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. People did lose their mind on me whenever I said things like the state of Virginia, whenever we first moved here. Really? Um, yeah. Isn't there, like, like one it's of for your... for lovers. Exactly. But one of your really, I mean big universities maybe the most well-known is Penn State right <laughs> yeah. that's a university Should be like, Penn, Commonwealth. I don't know what I mean that's what we have we have Virginia Commonwealth University oh that's right yeah yeah I mean there is a Virginia State University but it's very very small and it has it's not it pales in comparison to UVA University of Virginia and uh, Virginia Commonwealth which is in Richmond um, I don't know the difference I don't know why it matters but I do feel like universities should know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do feel like if you're a, so there you go, Penn State. You're on, the, you're on the chopping block as far as I'm concerned. That, Man. Uh, you, you have a responsibility uh, to know whether you're a state or a commonwealth, and you probably should be called the
1: right thing uh, as we're, a university. We're getting, getting serious here, calling out Penn State University on Crisis of Faith podcast.
0: We'll see what they say. We'll see what they say.
1: <laughs> I await your. <laughs> I await your faxes. <laughs> so I don't know. I like. The I Commonwealth, mean, Commonwealth. I, it has like it has, a it has a political meaning, right? Yeah, uh, it means something like a state, I guess. <laughs> um. And but it it doesn't have the top down hierarchical stuff. It doesn't have the, um the masculine language. So I like that. Um, it's also, I mean, it's just not like kingdom is a literal translation. It's yeah, Basilea. It's, it's kingdom. Yeah. Um, but, you know, words change so much. Like what a first century Jew meant when they said king is different than the image that I have in my mind when I read king. Yeah,
0: right? So I think of like what Prince Harry's going to be soon.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a different thing. I mean not too soon, um,
0: not too soon. I'm not wishing her away. <laughs> I'm just saying no, absolutely. Is he the
1: one? Is he the next one? I don't know I don't know. I, I don't no know. Clue. Royal family. I never understood why people people in America were so interested in that. <laughs> oh, I totally That's get stuff.
0: it. I totally understand why people in America are. Huh. Same reason we're interested in everything that has nothing to do with
1: us. <laughs> well, yeah, like celebrity. But yeah. it's, I mean, it is more like celebrity than, like, you know, I bet you can't name the president of Venezuela. Yeah. But you can. I almost wish we had a,
0: I wish we had a more, um, <laughs> hot take here. I wish we could have a um, popularity ruler, like, that people could vote for say a donald trump to be king of like the a United figurehead States? yeah like a figurehead like somebody no who's just power. like whatever he says it's gonna be interesting like it's gonna make the news <laughs> yeah. uh yeah right but then maybe he's not also the one with <laughs> the, the nuclear codes. Like, like maybe that <laughs> yeah. is is left in the hands of i think it would plato be a release one who, valve i think the for us yeah yeah <laughs> i think plato is the one who wrote about i, I may be wrong about this Plato, Aristotle, they're all the same to me. Yeah, um, sure. Wrote about how e- eventually in any kind of elected, like a democracy that elects its officials, that eventually you will get to a point where you're electing the most popular. Um, you're right. Or you're electing for reasons, you're, you're electing people to, you're electing people to positions of power to do things that you don't understand. Like there's not a, there's not a, I do not possess, as a fairly educated person, I do not possess the appropriate level of education to really know what the president should know or what he does <laughs> right. or what she right. does. Like, I, I don't know. Why should I decide based on, what the, based on what these ads tell me are true about the other person? Like, it, it does seem like that the Greeks... Who sort of invented something like modern democracy also concluded like, but obviously we probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> we should leave the governing to people who you know what gov- know what governing is. <laughs> yeah, but we should elect a king.
1: Yeah, that does that makes a lot of sense because we, be we need we need to get out, get it out of our out system. Of
0: sh- we'd be less bent out of shape out of the whole thing, you know. Yeah, If it was a little more like American right. Idol, like, sure. <laughs> Disappointed that Clay Aiken doesn't win and that Ruben Studdard does, does. Clay Aiken was our, you know, he, he was everybody's hero. No, dude, um, I loved Ruben. I liked Ruben better, too. But I feel like there was a bit of a, a revolt at the time that it was like, I mean, Clay Aiken had a career after that, and I never heard of Ruben Studdard after. But I'm just saying... True. But households weren't divided over it. We, it wasn't like invitations to Thanksgiving were on, <laughs> were on the line. That's what I'm getting at. Like, right. it, it just seems like it would do us a lot of good to say, like, yeah, sure. Vote for something that uh, American people, all of us uneducated, like, know nothing about government. Like, you get to vote for that position. Um, and it'll be a fun little thing you can do. And you can talk trash <laughs> about the other side. And and then whoever wins, it'll be, you know, they'll get to rub it in the face of the other person. But that won't be the person who's also, you know, having conversations with North Korea the next yeah. week. <laughs> right. Or, right. Or Vladimir
1: Putin the next week. That's great, man. You're about to revolutionize American politics. You heard it here first <laughs> on Crisis of Faith. I'm so glad that it... Uh, yeah, yeah, It's yeah, going to yeah. take off. It's going to be a thing.
0: I'd love to see it happen. What else you got? So, okay. Um, there's certainly so the, a lot in this podcast today that is just probably not usable at all. <laughs> yeah. I like, I don't know what we're doing here. I think we should just keep moving towards a, a, a point where we've said everything we need to say. Right. And then thoughts and prayers to the editing room.
1: <laughs> so, the way that um, some first century Jews talk about this stuff is... They talk about uh, two ages, two, like, eons, right? Um, One that we could call this present evil age. So this is the time in the world where the people of God are overtaken by some oppressive regime. uh, The time where, like, the temple lies in ruins. The time when we... Uh, when we would see things like, there's going to be a spiritual dimension to this too, because they're thinking about like, you know, first the Egyptians get us, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks that like, and it's, it's all of it gets sort of amalgamated into, there's a spiritual power. Mm -hmm. Um, I've called it in some other work that I've done, I've called it the spirit of Babylon right? Yeah. But, you know, you just, like, there's a spiritual power that undergirds all of these oppressive empires and regimes. And, like, so if if there's, if this present evil age is still around, then there, you're also going to see elements of that. You're going to see people, like, being possessed by demons and being sick and, and dying prematurely and all this stuff, right? Um, so there's this present evil age. And then, That person that we talked about, that warrior king priest, uh, who they call the Messiah, is going to come and is going to overthrow these regimes, going to get them out of the place, going to rebuild the temple, going to sort of get rid of a clean house Mm -hmm. and inaugurate what we call the age to come. Which is all over the New Testament, and unfortunately you don't see it because... uh, (laughs) The word for that concept gets translated as eternal, which makes no sense. So John 3 16, for God so loved the world that God gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have zoeon Ionion, the life of the age. Right? He's talking about the life of the age to come. He will he will enter into this new age. It Has nothing to do with like a length of time. Yeah, um, it's it's just a new a new way of existing or a new yeah. Okay. The world is going to become new. That's just um, so. Jesus comes on the scene, right In, into this kind of world, this kind of way of thinking. And the very first, like, sermon that we have Jesus recorded giving, so the first of the Gospels is Mark, the first one to be written down. It's the Gospel of Mark. And the first thing that Jesus says, Mark one fifteen, is it's time. (laughs) Like, the time has come. Yeah. And everybody would have known exactly what he's talking about. What time? Well, it's time for the new age to come, for this present evil age to come to an end and the age to come to be inaugurated. And then so what does Jesus do? He goes around and he starts healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons and like all of these signs of the spirit of Babylon that is holding the people captive. He's getting rid of. Uh and then you know you get you get through several chapters of that if you start in Mark, you know, it's Jesus comes on, he says it's time and then he starts showing signs that it's time. He's healing the sick, he's casting out right. demons. And then they sit around a campfire, and Jesus is like, Hey, guys, who do you think that I am? And Peter says, You are the Messiah. You're the Christ. Uh, Christ is just, by the way, the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. So you're the guy. You're the one who's going to come and do the thing. Right, you're, it's obvious you've already started to deal with the spirit of Babylon. Now you're going to go and get Babylon itself. You're going to, you know, take out the Roman imperial regime. You're going to rebuild the temple, or not rebuild. You're going to re-reconsecrate the temple. Yeah. Um, you're the guy. That's awesome. And, like and that Jesus Peter. says, "Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I am. And I'm going to die." Right. And then Peter goes whoa, 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 hold on. You don't understand what you're talking about, Jesus. Right? And then he's like, get, get behind me, Satan. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's like, so first of all, you know, we, we think, with, we look back with, like, the, the hindsight of Christian doctrine and think that what does it mean to be the Christ? Well, it means to die for the sins of the world or whatever. That is not at all what Peter meant when he exactly. said, you yeah, are the Messiah. Yeah. What he meant was, like, the Messiah is not God. Like, they didn't have any conception of this person being God. It's a dude, or maybe a lady. Who knows? Uh, but it's somebody who comes to be a military leader, to be a ruler, and to be a priest, mm-hmm. um, to set things right in the world. Do you think that... Okay, so I when I...
0: Let me just stop and say, that is awesome. I've never heard the even just the miracles put into that framework. Like the the specific things that Jesus is doing um, to inaugurate this are are speaking to those expectations that he's he's actually proving to some way that he's here fighting against those those spiritual realms that that kingdom that currently runs the show a bit. That he's sort of. Uh, operating in contrast to that. That's awesome. Um do you think that the the disciples and I think I know where I think I know what your what you think about this and, and what appears to be true. Um do they when they say yes to Jesus, when they decide to follow him, when they when they fall in line and they become the twelve and then the others that maybe follow after him, they are saying yes to that they they're saying all right here it goes like that they're Do you, peter doesn't get on board to say like yeah i'm gonna plant churches for you he get on he gets right. on board to say like all right let's fight i mean he's the one who swings a sword we have probably the one who swings a sword at the head of a centurion whenever they come out at him and he's carrying
1: like he's you know, they're, before they go to Jerusalem, I can't remember which gospel this is in, Jesus tells them to buy a sword. Yeah, Luke. And the I disciples think. go, oh, don't worry, we're already packing. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They're ready. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, at some point, we should probably do an episode on, on Jesus, because that's the... Saying bias. yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. tricky. Uh, that, But I, I have some really interesting thoughts on that. and Some of them maybe speak to this right now, the idea that essentially... One of the things that Jesus is doing is, um, is uh, is addressing the futility of that particular approach. I mean, that whenever they respond, if we're that whenever you know he asks like, "Do you have some swords?" and they're like, "We got two, um, that he says, "Yeah, that should be enough." <laughs> 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 like to me, yeah. a little bit, it's kind of like, "Yeah, that'll probably prove to you how ridiculous it would be to you're going to take on the entire Roman." Guard yeah, it's a bit like, like the,
1: the Second Amendment people that are like, like the yeah. point is that we can overcome oppressive regime. <laughs> like the the U.S. military budget is something like, you know, ninety all bajillion budget. dollars. Yeah, it's it's all the dollars. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I've got my yeah yeah I just my hunting my, rifle. <laughs> I have my
0: hunting rifles, so that if the government comes against me with their nuclear weapons (laughs) right (laughs) uh yeah so it it does seem to be similar to that okay this is awesome uh you have um
1: all right so one more more, yeah one more passage to look at i think is so okay so this is what they're thinking right jesus is gonna, gonna be this guy and then jesus says well i'm gonna die and then he does and they're like oh shit This did not go as – oh, by the way, so I think this is just a theory. Acts chapter
0: 1. You just quoted there, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is just a theory, but, like, Judas, right, gives Jesus up um, to the authorities. And then he goes and kills himself. So, like, there's one reading in this where you could say, like, Judas was just sneaky and underhanded and then immediately had a change of heart well that seems weird like that's not human nature Yeah. what makes sense to me is Judas was like this is taking too long for you to get to like you're doing you're dealing with what's happening in the spiritual realm fine like let's get on with what you're here to do Yeah. and so I'm going to push you in and then when it backfires when he ends up Dying, which is not what messiahs are supposed to do, messiahs are supposed to fight and win the fight. Judas goes, Oh man, what yeah. have I done? Yeah,
0: that's that's interesting,
1: yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, that's a theory, that's not like, um, uh, nope. so that's doctrine okay. now. So, <laughs> so Judas, di- I mean, Jesus, Judas dies too. Everything, Jesus we dies.
0: Say, everything we say on this podcast is now doctrine, we are. <laughs>
1: that's right. We are founding a new denomination. Jesus dies, and they're like, "Ah, this sucks. Like, it's over. The revolution is over." And then, you know, there's the resurrection. I think we should definitely do episodes on the resurrection at some point. Yep. Um, so, okay, but this I'll is after the, we trouble have the Strobel book. We have the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have the story of the the resurrection, and. Then, actually, Acts 1. um, Jesus orders his disciples, this is after the resurrection, orders them to stay in Jerusalem. All right, then I'm going to read. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you'll restore the kingdom of Israel? Like, oh, now I get it. You were just going to die and do this trick, and now we're ready. Now it's time for the fight. And he goes, It's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing up toward heaven and suddenly two men in white robes stood by them and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven like idiots? This Jesus who has been I put that in. This Jesus who has been taken up <laughs> um taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Like what what appears to be happening here, and it's metaphoric language, symbolic language about ascension and all this but like what the disciples of jesus the followers of jesus are learning is like the thing that you've been waiting for is not coming the way you thought it was going to come it's not coming when you thought it was going to come uh and so like the way that that christian history has worked this out is to say take that that picture again of the two ages there's this present evil age and there's the age to come and to say that what happened in the the Christ event in the Jesus event is that something shifted something broke something like something was inaugurated um part of this present evil age has come to an end has come has been challenged has been like exposed and yet it remains like we see it still in the world and part of the age to come has been inaugurated has been started we see it growing and building and yet it hasn't come to its fulfillment yet and so we live you and I live in the space between the ages so we go back to that what Paul writes to the Corinthians. It's to those on whom the ends of the ages have come. That's us. We're the people who live in the space between.
0: Yeah, do we, um, uh, bit of a um, gear shift here. Do we expect something else to happen? sort of prophetically um, the next eon is there an anticipation of a next thing we started out this conversation by basically saying I as as silly as it makes me feel to say um, I still expect something else I still don't think this is it that this is the like hey heaven is here heaven was coming and then it came Uh, and it looks like coronavirus and it looks like um, nations at war and it looks like divisions of families and households and and our own nation and it looks do we anticipate expect some next phase Um, and I have kind of a follow up question to that but do you have any thoughts on that
1: dude I don't know (laughs) I (laughs) I mean here's what here's what the bible expects not that we not that our souls will go up to heaven but that christ will return to earth and there will be a renewal of the earth and of the sky and a resurrection of the body and that we will reign together with christ in the kingdom of god fully come to earth yeah and like that's a beautiful symbol <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the best I can do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know you know what that means. Yeah. Is it um
0: so and and again we can't we can only speak to maybe what the scriptures tell of this. What is that waiting for? Is it is it God waiting for us waiting for something to happen here cuz that's certainly something I've heard taught uh over the years that like God is not going to come until every person has heard the gospel um which has so many holes in it so many problems it's like well most of the people who have ever lived they're already dead uh <laughs> like you got to you got to acknowledge at some point that that's uh that that's got some some problems in it is does there appear to be you know prophetically are we waiting for God to do something else, or is I mean, God
1: waiting for us
0: to do something else?
1: Okay, so let me just say, I'll, I'll put on my Bible teacher hat for a minute, and then I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> so, like, yeah. it, with my Bible teacher hat on, I would say no. For the
0: listener, his Bible teacher hat is actually an oversized cowboy hat. <laughs> that he's now wearing. So picture that as you hear him talk.
1: Uh, so, like, no. I mean, Jesus says nobody... Nobody knows. I don't know, you don't know. Um and that there's not there's there's no thing like that's not what the book of Revelation is about. not what there's not like a thing that um you know, a, a red bull, uh whatever, like that we're not waiting we're not waiting for Israel's whatever birthday as a nation or what you know, I don't know what John Hagee and these people say, but like whatever it's all shit. <laughs> whatever it is, it's all bullshit. Um hot take. So there's no there's no thing but like to me just the explanatory power of like not not the what is coming But this notion that we live in the in-between state—that we live in this time when uh, the the Commonwealth of God, the Kingdom of God, whatever has been inaugurated but has not been um, fulfilled—the explanatory power of that is just insane. Like there are lots and lots of reasons to probably not be a Christian. You know, we talked about like I, I would. I would take him if I could, <laughs> but, um, man, if there's one reason to be a Christian, like, this is it. To me, this is it. This is, like, the way of understanding the world that says, you know, people talk about, like, a, you hear a lot of the new atheists talk about, like, what would be classically called the problem of evil. Like, how can you say there's a God when the coronavirus, when gout when police brutality, when hurricanes, like how can you say there's a God when the world looks the way it does? How can you say there's a God that's good and powerful and loving? Uh, You know, and I, I sometimes hear some Christian like apologist type people respond with, which I think is a pretty good question, like, okay fine but how do you explain the gratuitous goodness of the world like how do you explain like sunsets over the ocean how do you explain Adele how do you explain (laughs) chocolate and rye whiskey like there's so much just beautiful greatness just pouring out of the how do you and and Christianity has this symbol, this, this narrative way of saying, yes, yes, the world is filled to the brim with goodness and grace and beauty, and it's deeply, deeply broken. Yeah. Um, or, like, how do you explain your own capacity or, or the human capacity for love and caring and self-sacrifice and at the same time the human capacity for cruelty and banality and yeah. pettiness like we're already, and we're not yet
0: you could do a really nice thing for us by subscribing um giving us a positive review or following us on instagram at crisis of faith have a great week we'll see you next monday